you got cooking? How about cooking something up with me? Let's stir it up, boys. Welcome to the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. A weekly excursion into the fine art of preparing the world's most popular recipes under an open sky and an open flame. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now, here's the old grill sergeant, Randy Hayes. God rest ye, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. So, Merry Christmas to one and all who are up early and listening to this show today. It's a day of joy and celebration. And I want to acknowledge that before I share some very personal observations with you. I don't want to detract from the good news of the day. You know, the day when we commemorate the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. All glory and honor go to Him today. But I must add a sad note to today's festivities. This is going to be the last edition of the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Simply put, my other ventures have become so successful and time-consuming that I've had to make the difficult decision that this radio show, yeah, it makes money, but not enough. And I need to concentrate my efforts on the voiceover coaching business that has grown so much in the last few months. I now have VO students literally all over the country. Heck, all over the world, actually. And it's obvious that I need to focus on that part of my work because it has so much revenue potential. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not happy about this. I'm not happy about it at all. Broadcasting has been my primary career since I was 15 years old, for crying out loud. But I'm 73 now. So this is most certainly my last on-air job And that means my broadcasting career comes to an end today for good. You know, when Fred Olson and I were fired from the Hudson and Harrigan show over 10 years ago, I was convinced then that that was the end of my career. But I was blessed to have the opportunity to do some syndication radio. And then God gave me the opportunity to host the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. So I was delighted that my radio life was extended another decade. But this is most surely my final curtain in broadcasting, and that does make me exceedingly sad. I have loved being the man in the box, and I will miss it terribly. But the outrageous success of my voiceover coaching business demands more of my time, and this show will have to end in order for me to attend to those duties. Since this is most likely my last broadcast, I thought I'd recount my 57-year journey. You know, from a wide-eyed teenage DJ to the host of this show. Yeah, it's been a pretty wild ride. I think you'll find it entertaining to hear some of the stories I've accumulated along the way. There are many more such stories in my book, Houston's Morning Show, The True Story of Hudson and Harrigan. You can find that book on Amazon and Audible. Of course I made an audio book out of it. But I'll try to tell some stories today that are not in the book, and I hope you enjoy them. My voice changed when I was 11. It was the source of much teasing from my classmates at school, but all that torment changed when I showed up on their favorite radio station. Then I was kind of a star. I was fortunate that the general manager of the biggest AM-FM TV station in Fort Worth was a member of our church, and when he heard that I was interested in broadcasting, he offered me a tour of his facility. I was around 15. I'd just acquired my driver's license. After he showed me around, we went back up to his office, and he asked me what I thought. I told him I was ready to go to work right then and there, but he just kind of chuckled and said, no, you need to get a broadcast license first from the Federal Communications Commission. And then he told me that would likely take six months or so because it included a lot of math and electronics. He sent me to the chief engineer for more information, but then he said, when you get that license, you come back and I'll give you a job. The chief engineer quickly realized I wasn't interested in fixing the equipment. I only wanted to work on the air. So he said, the boss doesn't understand. The license with all the math and electronics, that's the one I have. It's for people who build and maintain the equipment. You just need a broadcast endorsement. It's kind of like a driver's license test. Here's the study guide. Go to the FCC in Dallas tomorrow. Take the test. You'll pass it on the first try. He was right. But 
Remember, the boss didn't know the difference. So when I walked back into his office the very next day, I held up the license and said, you told me when I got the license to come back and you'd give me a job. Here's the license. When do I start? The boss was absolutely dumbstruck that I'd gotten the license so fast, so he arranged for me to play the religious tapes on Sunday morning, and my broadcasting career was off and running. I went to work at several other radio and TV stations in Fort Worth over the next few years, and those jobs helped me pay my tuition at TCU. I was working at the top-rated station in town one night, and the only people in the building were me and the newsman who was on duty that evening. He was... How shall I say this diplomatically? Large? He was at least 100 pounds overweight, most likely quite a bit more than that, truth be told. At the end of the hourly newscast, this extremely rotund newsman would walk the long distance from the newsroom all the way down this long hall to the control room where I was spinning records, and he would hand me the weather strip, as we called it. This was just a piece of paper off the teletype that listed the current weather conditions. You know, temperature, barometric pressure, humidity, wind direction and speed, those kind of things. So then he walked back down the hall to the newsroom. And it was during one of these sojourns that he tripped and fell down. But he was so grossly obese that he literally could not get up by himself. Now, again, we were the only people in the station. And I was busy doing my show, so he was helplessly laying on his back until I played the intro sounder for the next newscast. When nothing came out of the newsroom, I scrambled around, played a song, and I ran back toward the newsroom to see what was going on. There, in the middle of the hallway, I found this oversized newsman laying on his back like an upside-down turtle. He had been screaming for help for almost an hour, but of course I couldn't hear him. I was inside a soundproof radio studio the entire time. I helped him up, and he made me swear to never tell anyone what had happened, because he knew he would be ridiculed endlessly for it. I kept that promise for about ten years or so, until he passed away. I figured after that, there would be no harm in sharing the story, and it has been the source of good-natured laughter and memories for many people who worked with him over the years. After college, I took a job at a very popular and highly rated station in Shreveport, and I was working on the air one day when a bigger-than-life record promoter dropped by to try to convince my boss to play his label's latest releases. This record guy was a well-known prankster, so I should have been prepared for him, but I foolishly let my guard down. My coffee cup sat on a stand that was behind me in the control room when I was talking on the microphone, but it was easily accessible for the record promoter, who was just full of practical jokes. So while my back was turned and I was talking on the air, the record guy poured his entire bottle of Binaka breath spray into my coffee. I turned around, I kept talking to him until I unsuspectingly took a sip of coffee and promptly spewed it out on the carpet. It tasted terrible, and I instantly knew what had happened, so I chased the record promoter through the halls of the station while both of us just howled in laughter. I still see that guy on Facebook from time to time, and he loves to tell that story. Obviously, so do I. However, this was during the Summer of Love, 1969, the height of the Vietnam War, and it wasn't long after my college draft deferment ran out. Then I was on the short list over at the Selective Service Office, the draft board. In fact, it was on my birthday. I attended a football game at my beloved alma mater, TCU. And afterward, I went to my parents' home in southwest Fort Worth for a birthday party in my honor. Several friends and most of my family were there. And after I had opened all the birthday presents, my father said, well, there's one more thing you need to open over here. And he handed me the dreaded letter from the U.S. government. <laughs> I know it's become a cliche, but that letter really did begin greeting. You are hereby ordered to report for induction into the armed forces of the United States. You know, I have no idea why they would start such a letter with the word greeting, but they did. I mean, I wasn't happy about it. My dad had deep roots in the Army Reserves, so he tried to get me into one of those units, but they couldn't accept me if I'd already received my draft notice, and that was that letter that began greeting. So I was toast. 
About three weeks later, I was on a plane out of Love Field in Dallas and on my way to basic training in Fort Lewis, Washington. Most draftees wound up being rice patty daddies in Vietnam, if you know what I mean. And I think you do. So I figured that was my fate too. But I had no idea that my military service would become just another part of my broadcasting career. If your barbecue's gone up in smoke and your cooking reputation is at stake, stick around. The Old Grill Sergeant will be right back with more ideas and advice to make your next cookout sizzle. Boyd's One Stop. The name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's. Conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant all at 227 Dyke Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas. But they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad, and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests, and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab, and crawfish when in season, is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door. With a wide variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po'boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all, 227 Dyke Road at the base of the Texas City Dyke. It's Randy Hames again. Everybody needs a video or a new website or help in managing their social media, and my company, Edgewater Digital, can help. We help small businesses navigate the intimidating world of digital marketing. You've got a business to run, and you don't have time or expertise to build and maintain your website all by yourself, and you certainly don't have time to generate content for it. And when's the last time you had an extra hour or two to manage your company's internet ads or social media accounts? Like, never, right? Well, at Edgewater Digital, that's what we do. We have a talented web design team who've built a number of incredibly successful websites for companies large and small. Need content too? No problem. Edgewater can provide copywriting, photography, and videography services to enhance the content on your website, email marketing, or even social media. We're a full-service digital marketing solution with a track record of success. Call us today at 832-500-4272 or see our website edgewater-digital.com. Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market, and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a computer tracking system will follow your venison, wild hog, or exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit BellevilleMeatMarket.com or call 979-865-5782. Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years, and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 Westlake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top-of-the-line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big-box stores. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, electrical and plumbing, paint and hardware, all under one roof. But Rick is also an avid backyard chef, so the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique features a complete barbecue pit house. From gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers, they've got it all at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique. They even offer grill maintenance and repair. Visit their website, allspas.com, or just drop by and see for yourself. The original Allspas Hardware and Boutique at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. Life is simple. Eat, sleep, grill. This is the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now, here's the grill father, Randy Hames. 
is the last installment of our show, as I mentioned earlier. So I'm going to spend an extended alone time with you telling some of my favorite stories of my 57 years of broadcasting, because candidly, this will undoubtedly be my last radio show ever. And yeah, I am sad about that. But, but as the old saying goes, don't cry for me, Argentina. My voiceover coaching business has become such a success that I simply don't have time to host the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show anymore. Anyway, back to the stories. We left our fearless young rock and roll radio DJ at the moment when he entered the United States Army. And not by choice, I might add. After that delightful three-month period known as basic training, I worked on the Post newspaper at Fort Hood, and I also landed a weekend gig at one of my old radio stations up in Fort Worth. I made more money in one weekend on the radio than I made in a whole month in the Army, so I was the richest PFC in Fort Hood. Then I was stationed in Seoul, South Korea for the remainder of my time in the service, and there, I was the radio network program director for the Armed Forces Korea Network. And I was the sports anchor on the TV network on the weekends. That meant I worked seven days a week, but it sure did make the time fly. And that was the idea. That 13 months was over before I could say, oh, Tim, hoot. And I was back in the good old USA pursuing my broadcasting career again. I worked at several stations. This was the 1970s when big radio station promotions dominated the airwaves. Some were highly successful, but some were not. One of them was a brainstorm by our very creative boss, who had a very small promotions budget. <laughs> so he used it to purchase several used cars. And I do mean used cars. These cars aptly fit the description clunker. <laughs> the boss gave each person on the staff the keys to one of these jalopies, and then he told us to hide the car somewhere in plain sight. Then we wrote clues to the car's location and read one on the air each day. The first listener who called the studio line and gave us the correct license plate number would win the car. I drove, well, more like dragged my piece of junk car to a steakhouse. It was a parking lot near the apartment complex where I lived. I got permission from the manager to park it there, and I started giving out the clues on the air. It was only a few days later when I got the phone call from the winner. He gave me the correct license plate number, and I excitedly said, you just won a car. There was a long pause on the other end of the line, and the guy said, nah, never mind, and he hung up. <laughs> I laughed so hard I cried, but when I told the boss what had happened, he was infuriated. Yes, we did eventually find somebody who wanted the car, but it's a legendary radio story. I hope I never forget that. Other promotions were, well, interesting. One station that had a much bigger budget decided to give away money at a professional soccer match, but the way the contest worked was really unique. The station owner acquired a few thousand dollars in cash, mostly $1 bills, but some fives, tens, twenties, fifties, and a couple of hundreds mixed in. The idea was to scatter the money over the pitch at the beginning of halftime. Then we allowed three lucky listeners to pick up as much money as they could in 99 seconds. 99 was our FM dial position. Almost immediately, one of the smarter members of the staff said, what happens if the wind's blowing really hard? So we thought about it and decided we should buy several bags of small rocks, about twice the size of gravel, and wrap the bills around the rocks so they wouldn't blow away in the wind. It took us hours to wrap all those bills around all those rocks, but we got it done and we were ready for the contest. When we started to throw the money out on the pitch, we realized that much of it was bunched together, so we had to go back and spread it out better. The contestants ran out and started grabbing as much money as they could stuff into their pockets, but when the 99 seconds was over, there was still a lot of bills scattered around on the ground. Now we had to systematically walk the length of the pitch. I never realized how big a soccer field is. And halftime ended well before we finished picking up all the money. We were forced to leave quite a bit of the cash on the field, and it was absolutely hilarious to watch the soccer players in the second half. They'd stop right in the middle of a play and reach down and pick up money, but of course, their uniforms didn't have pockets, so within just a few minutes, virtually all of them had two fists full of money, and a couple of goals were scored because nobody was paying attention. They were too busy grabbing money as fast as they could. It was an absolute scream. 
my wife Cindy and I moved a lot during the 70s. In fact, before we got married, I warned her, if you don't want to move every six months for the rest of your life, don't marry me, because that's what the broadcasting industry does to you. She had a grand sense of adventure, but true to my word, we did move eight times in about seven years before we finally settled here in Houston for the rest of our lives. We moved back and forth between Dallas and Fort Worth so many times that when I would walk into a U-Haul truck rental place, they'd just look at me and say, oh, hi, Mr. Hames, will you be having the usual? <laughs> we moved to San Francisco and back in less than a year, but boy, we made the most of our time on the West Coast. We kind of treated it like it was an extended vacation, and we loved every minute of it. We especially relished living in Tiburon, north of the city. One morning, I got up and glanced out our west-facing window as it overlooked beautiful Richmond Bay, and I realized a major squall had rolled in off the Pacific Ocean, and the rain was falling sideways. I ran to my car, which was only about 20 or 30 yards away, but I was thoroughly soaked to the skin by the time I got there. One of the coolest things about living in Marin County was I got to drive across the Golden Gate Bridge every day to go to work. Now, engineers will tell you that because the Golden Gate is a suspension bridge, it technically sways in the wind constantly. Now, it's so big, you can't really feel its way, but it still sways. That morning, the wind was blowing so hard that as I crossed the bridge, I could definitely feel its sway. Now, it was a very slow sway, but I could still feel it, and I'll admit I was scared to death. If you've never crossed the Golden Gate before, you might not know it's a toll bridge, but back then you only paid the toll going into the city. Since you're traveling south on the bridge, that means the toll plazas face west on the driver's side of the car. So when I rolled up and tried to hand the toll booth operator my money, he just shook his head, nope, and waved me right on through. He had no intention to take that money. And get as soaked as I was? No way. The radio station was located in the Mark Hopkins Hotel on the southeast corner of Knob Hill, and the best places to park were on the side of the building where Knob Hill dropped off very sharply. I was already soaked, so it didn't matter how far I had to run to get to the front door. But when I came back out after my show was over, I started up my car, and the windshield wipers were still on. As they came up and over the windshield, a large chunk of wire mesh glass came up with them. And I said, what the heck? Okay, I said something a lot worse than that, but I'm not going to take a chance on getting fined by the FCC on my last day in the radio business. So anyway, this chunk of glass was about the size of a football, and when I got out to look at it more carefully, I realized it had been blown out of one of the windows in the Mark Hopkins Hotel. It landed directly on the roof of my car before sliding down on top of my windshield wipers. For the first time, I realized... There was a hole in the metal roof of my car about the size of a fist. That's when it occurred to me how very lucky I was. If that chunk of glass had landed on my head, I would have died. It demonstrated how truly powerful that squall had been. And several years later, when I was on the air here in Houston during my first hurricane, Alicia, I thought back to that day in San Francisco, and I marveled all over again at the power of Mother Nature when she comes flying in off a big body of water like the Pacific Ocean or the Gulf of Mexico. It was an extremely sobering moment for me. San Francisco was a wonderful adventure for Cindy and me, and we had a blast. But it wasn't the only big move we made over our first few years of marriage. Nah, moving back and forth between Dallas and Fort Worth was just a pain in the, well, a pain in the headphones, if I can use that broadcasting analogy. But moving halfway across the continent, wow, that's another thing altogether. We made a similar move right after we first got married. But it wasn't halfway across America. It was almost all the way across the state of Texas. And believe me, that's almost as far. At that point in her life, my wife had never been west of Fort Worth. And as we crossed the desert of far west Texas, she kept asking me, when do the Indians come riding up over the hill? <laughs> I told her, relax, darling, we can outrun them. We're not in a stagecoach, we're in an Oldsmobile. But oh, what a ride it was. Stay patient, dinner will be ready right after the smoke alarm goes off. Randy will be right back with more smoking hot tips for you and your old plane right after this short break. 
Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years, and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 Westlake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top-of-the-line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big box stores. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, electrical and plumbing, paint and hardware, all under one roof. But Rick is also an avid backyard chef, so the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique features a complete barbecue pit house. From gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers, they've got it all at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique. They even offer grill maintenance and repair. Visit their website, allspas.com, or just drop by and see for yourself. The original All Spas Hardware and Boutique at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. Boyd's One Stop. The name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's, conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant, all at 227 Dyke Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas. But they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad, and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests, and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab, and crawfish when in season, is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door. With a wide variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po'boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all, 227 Dyke Road at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Hi friends, Randy Hames to tell you about Cellular and Satellite. Cellular and Satellite are specialists in wireless data plans for businesses. Because they buy in large quantities, Cellular and Satellite can give you a data plan on the same provider you're using today, but at a lower cost. Cellular and Satellite can also combine the two largest wireless providers into a single data plan. Two carriers with better coverage, but only one invoice to pay. If your workforce is international, Cellular and Satellite offers a global data SIM with fixed pricing in over 200 countries. You'll never have to pay international roaming charges again with Cellular and Satellite. And they can handle all your wireless data needs whether you need 10 or 10,000 data SIMs. So if you're an IT professional, mobility manager, or business owner, save money and increase your network availability by letting Cellular and Satellite simplify your wireless life. Call Cellular and Satellite today, 832-551-1000, or go to CellularAndSatellite.com. Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market, and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a complete computer tracking system will follow your venison, wild hog, or exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit BellevilleMeatMarket.com or call 979-865-5782. Stand back. We've got our grill on. This is the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now, here's the grill father, Randy Hayes. As Elmer Fudd once said, we're we're real melancholy. We're real sad, <laughs> and the reason why we're sad is because this is the last edition of our little cooking show. But come to think of it, characters like Elmer are one of the main reasons why. My voiceover coaching business has just mushroomed over the last few months, and as a result, I'm reluctantly stepping down from broadcasting uh, to kind of expand my work as a voiceover coach. So this is undoubtedly my last radio show ever, 
And I wanted to spend it telling you some of my favorite stories from my 57 years behind the microphone. And boy, I've got some doozies. I think I ended the last segment by describing the move to El Paso that my wife and I made in the fall of 1973. And this was one of my most unique radio experiences I worked for a station that was technically located in Mexico, but the studios were in El Paso. Everything was done in English, but the unusual aspect of the station was how much power the transmitter had. When Cindy and I first arrived, we were working off a 50,000-watt transmitter, which is the maximum power for an AM station in the U.S., but this was a Mexican radio station. They were building a transmitter that could have 150,000 watts, literally three times more powerful than any AM radio station in America. That meant our signal could carry into cities like Albuquerque, Phoenix, Denver, even Dallas-Fort Worth. And in most of those places, we would sound just as clear as any local station would. The plan was then to sell advertising on the station as if it almost had network coverage for that entire part of the country. But first, we had to get that transmitter up and running, and that was no small task. I went over to Juarez with the chief engineer to see this monster while they were still building it, and it looked like the Starship Enterprise. It was huge. It dwarfed the 50,000-watt transmitter, and it ran the full length of the building. In fact, they had to add on to the building just to make it fit. I'd never seen anything like it before, and the engineering staff was struggling to get the darn thing ready to go. If my memory serves me, it was after the first of the year, 1974, before we finally announced to the advertising world that this innovative new regional network concept was ready to launch. So we threw a party. Advertising executives from all over that part of the country, as far away as Madison Avenue in New York City, flew in for this big event. And the station spent quite a bit of money to stage the party at the transmitter site in Juarez. The engineers fired up the 150,000-watt transmitter right after the festivities started, and it was so powerful, it literally made the hair on people's heads stand up. I'm not kidding. It hummed like a gigantic bumblebee, and everybody was very impressed. We all retired back to the buffet table in the open bar, and the party continued late into the night. Now remember, this was not on U.S. soil. This was in a suburb of Juarez, so the transmitter got its electricity from the Mexican City's power company. At midnight, at the height of the party for all these big-time advertising executives from all over the country, at midnight, the rock-crushing plant down the street shut down and the voltage doubled on the line. The power surged like crazy! Nobody on our engineering staff had considered how that might affect this behemoth of a transmitter, and so they had not thought to install voltage regulators on the input line for the power. Long story short, the power surge fried the 150,000-watt transmitter, and it melted down right in the middle of the launch party. Needless to say, this did not make the station look very good, and the whole thing became an unmitigated disaster. It took the engineers another month or so to get that transmitter back on the air, but you can bet your biomass they had a voltage regulator on the line by then. Eventually, Cindy and I abandoned our West Texas and West Coast adventures, and we moved back closer to the Texas-Louisiana border, where our two families lived. We built our first house and had our first child, and I worked at one of those Fort Worth stations again. It was my third time at this particular outlet, so it fit like an old shoe, and I thoroughly enjoyed working there. One night I was feeling very full of myself, so I played a really fast, loud rock and roll song and started talking over the intro with lots of energy and enthusiasm, and I just kind of lost my head. I said something like, I just brewed up a fresh pot of coffee, and I'm going to guard down on that stuff and turn this blowtorch up to 11. Only when I said stuff, I didn't say stuff. I used another S word. You know, the one that's synonymous with what comes out of the south end of a bull? Frankly, I didn't even hear myself say it. So when the next guy on the air walked in a few minutes later and told me I'd said the S word on the air, I thought he was just pranking me. I laughed and acted like I was in on the joke, but he didn't even smile. He just raised his eyebrows and said, hey man, I'm not kidding. I still didn't believe him. 
You know, broadcasters love to play practical jokes on each other all the time, so I was just convinced he was playing out the bit to the bitter end. But he never wavered. He finally just shrugged and walked out of the control room, so I thought I'd better check the machine that recorded everything that went out over the air. And sure enough, there it was, the S-word, loud and clear. I was mortified. How could I be so stupid? I felt like a moron, an idiot. But then quite a few other words started to pop into my head, like unemployed, FCC citation, license revoked. I quickly erased the tape of my faux pas and hoped that nobody important had heard it. Apparently nobody did, because I'd never heard a word about it. And I thanked my lucky stars it didn't end my career. I told you I was comfortable working at that station. Maybe I was a little too comfortable. It happens to virtually everyone who works on the air for as long as I have, but it was still humiliating beyond words, especially that word, and I vowed to never let it happen again. After a few years, the ownership group for that station decided to sell out, and all our jobs were in jeopardy. So I started looking at job options outside Dallas-Fort Worth. I'd had more than one offer from Houston stations over the years, so I decided to see if I could find an opportunity in the Bayou City. My old boss from that El Paso station had taken over as the program director at a station here in Houston, and he was very excited to hire me to join his staff. It was a considerable raise in pay, and many of my co-workers back in Fort Worth asked me if they needed anybody else, because nobody's job was safe. Actually, I didn't relish the move initially, because I hated to leave Fort Worth. Heck, I was born and reared there. My parents lived only two miles from the home Cindy and I had just built, so this was a painful move for us. I shed real tears as I left town the last time, but I knew it was the right move. However, my old El Paso boss was easy to work for, and he made us feel very much at home. Within the first few weeks, my boss dreamed up a promotion in which the station would give away free breakfast to all the bus riders at the grand opening for a brand new Metro Park and Ride facility. I can't for the life of me remember where it was, but since I was doing afternoon drive, the boss enlisted me to be the station's on-site ambassador that morning, and I would call in reports live on the morning show. Uh, incidentally, the two guys who were the hosts on that morning show had just left another job in which they were known as Hudson and Harrigan. I think we all know who I'm talking about, right? Anyway, I got up early, something I was going to start doing every day very soon anyway. I got up early and arrived at the park and ride before 5 a.m. to set up the free breakfast and get ready for the call-ins. To my horror, I discovered that the free breakfast consisted of donuts and orange juice. Now, donuts are a great breakfast, and orange juice is a breakfast staple, but they should never, ever be served together. Well, have you ever tried to eat a donut and drink orange juice at the same time? You might as well just suck on a fresh lemon, because that's pretty much what the two taste like together. I called back to the station, and the two morning show guys thought it was hilarious, but the people who showed up at the parking ride and ate the donuts and drank the orange juice thought I was trying to poison them. It was yet another unmitigated disaster, and when I got back to the station, I told the boss we should never do that again. He acted like I was trying to pull a prank on him, until I forced him to try it for himself. Then, he admitted he'd made a huge mistake, and the next time, he ordered some big containers of coffee instead. Within just a few weeks of that event, the legendary radio executive Bill Young called me and he asked me to join the legendary radio station he had built across town. And I assumed the role of Irv Harrigan on the Hudson and Harrigan Show. That was the late fall of 1980. Finally, I was home. And thus began the greatest radio adventure of my entire life. Life is short. Grill while you can. Randy will be right back with more food and fun after this break. Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market, and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a computer tracking system will follow your venison, wild hog, or exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. 
At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit BellevilleMeatMarket.com or call 979-865-5782. It's Randy Hames again. Everybody needs a video or a new website or help in managing their social media. And my company, Edgewater Digital, can help. We help small businesses navigate the intimidating world of digital marketing. You've got a business to run, and you don't have time or expertise to build and maintain your website all by yourself, and you certainly don't have time to generate content for it. And when's the last time you had an extra hour or two to manage your company's internet ads or social media accounts? Like, never, right? Well, at Edgewater Digital, that's what we do. We have a talented web design team who've built a number of incredibly successful websites for companies large and small. Need content too? No problem. Edgewater can provide copywriting, photography, and videography services to enhance the content on your website, email marketing, or even social media. We're a full-service digital marketing solution with a track record of success. Call us today at 832-500-4272 or see our website edgewater-digital.com. Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years, and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top-of-the-line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big-box stores. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, electrical and plumbing, paint and hardware, all under one roof. But Rick is also an avid backyard chef, so the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique features a complete barbecue pit house. From gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers, they've got it all at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique. They even offer grill maintenance and repair. Visit their website, allspas.com, or just drop by and see for yourself. The original Allspas Hardware and Boutique at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. Boyd's One Stop. The name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's. Conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant all at 227 Dyke Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas. But they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad, and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests, and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab, and crawfish when in season, is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door. With a wide variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po'boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all, 227 Dyke Road at the base of the Texas City Dyke. May the forks be with you. This is the Boyd's Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now here's the guy who turns all the grills on, Randy Hames. Here it is, the last segment of our show. And, and it's only fitting that I spend this last hurrah with my dearest friend in the radio business, Fred Olson. Merry Christmas morning, brother. Merry Christmas. You realize we've been friends for 48 years? Yeah, that's hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> I actually added it up this morning, and I went, wow. Yeah. That's longer than I've been alive. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I have to admit, it's a little disturbing to me that these might be my last few moments on the radio. Because I've been on the radio since I was 15 years old. But then again, I thought it was all over when they fired us from the H&H show, too. <laughs> so I guess you never know. Well, I've spent this last edition of the show reliving many of the most memorable moments from my 57 years behind the microphone. Okay. But the most memorable years were when you and I were on the H&H show. So that's what I want to focus on in these last 10 minutes of our careers. <laughs> <laughs> I've dreamed up some favorites that I want you to address, and I know I'm just surprising you with these things, so I'm, I'm going to tell you what my favorites were. That'll give you a few minutes to think about them. Okay. First of all, 
who was your favorite real life cast member? Not one of the fictional characters that you portrayed, but the real life cast member. For me, it was TJ Callahan. TJ and I always shared a special bond. I especially loved her quick wit and, and her easy laugh. Plus, there were a lot of male voices on the H&H show, and her female perspective was always refreshing. You know, we guys only see things from one angle. So who was your favorite real-life cast member? Well, you know, it, it, and I'm not trying to say this just to be unequivocating or whatever or picking a side, but really um, it was all of us together that made the show. And I remember the first time you and I did a show and I looked through the glass because we were in separate rooms and Robert B. McIntyre was in the newsroom and he just perked right up. Yeah. And it was like, it was like something had happened. RB and TJ, I mean, we were all, it was all necessary that we were to be there and, and without any one of us, it was never the same. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't, there was this, I don't know, chemistry. There was this, everybody knew their, their role and we, we all just kind of did it and we got along and, so I, it's hard to say any real life person, uh, man, because if one of them was missing, it wasn't the same. Yeah, that's well said. And because we all went through historical things and everybody filled in their slots. You know, I remember the twin towers, TJ was, was on it. RB was on it. And it was just, she was on the air when it happened. Remember? Mm -hmm. Yep. So I mean, it just, it, it's hard to say any one, one person in particular. So I'm just going to tell you that it, it all worked out it, just with everybody the way it was. And it was never the same one when we split up. Second, other than Jim Bob Jumpback, who was your favorite fictional cast member? For me, it was the Reverend Jim Ignatowski. <laughs> Iggy was the perfect character for our show because he was like a cartoon. <laughs> Iggy just, well, he was brain damaged from all the drug use. <laughs> But at the same time, he said some of the most profound things, and he could say the stupidest things, and they sounded funny. So who was your favorite fictional character? Well, it sounded like you almost described Jim Bob there. Um, <laughs> my, my favorite fictional, not, not impression, but fi uh, fictional had to have been probably Bo Dipti. Yeah. I love doing that character. Yeah. And uh, nowadays it would be so politically incorrect, but oh my goodness gracious me, that was so much fun <laughs> to do that. And, and I remember that I was thinking the other day, he'd list all his children and I'm going to go through it. He goes, there was, uh, there was, uh, there was Akbar, there was Salad Bar, there was K-Bar, there was, you know. <laughs> Foobar. And I won't go to the, <laughs> yeah, Foobar. So, but, but it, was, it was just so much fun to do something so opposite of who who you think the country station really should be or what you think they should be. So it was fun to go against, you know, 180 degrees on things. And, and, and that was, that was definitely a 180 degree character. So third, what was your favorite bit that we performed every day? For me, it was on this day in history because it was the only time I got to deliver my own punchlines. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people thought that you wrote all the bits, but you said to me one time, don't worry about that. I know that you write a lot of the funny lines, so don't let it bother you. That was very considerate of you. But still, in On This Day in History, I got to deliver my own punchlines. So what about you? What was your favorite recurring bit? Probably the first book of Aggie. Yeah. Seymour Brumont for a long time. We had to get rid of Seymour because he was a drunk, and that wasn't fitting in with Mothers Against Drink Driving anymore. Yep. Those of you remember the Seymour Brumwater, he came in, he was a lawyer every day. He was always south. <laughs> yeah. And we were approached by a rehab facility that could. <laughs> I remember this. Yes. yes. And could you use that character to. to <laughs> and, uh, and I was shocked because then we said the character shouldn't be used to sell products. Yeah. You know, that, at that point, we were, we were new at that. And later we finally said, well, Jim Bob could sell storm windows or he could sell trucks and cars and tractors. <laughs> but at that point, we wanted to keep the characters uh, separate from, from sales and all that kind of thing. But uh, I remember. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. We, it was a strange day. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we hosted a lot of very funny people on the show. Who was your favorite guest comedian now this is really difficult pinkard and bowden the tuna christmas guys oh wow but for me it's kind of a toss-up between ron white and jeff dunham ron white's simply the funniest guy in the world oh. and jeff dunham has a unique set of skills as a ventriloquist and a comedian the walter peanut of course ahmed the dead terrorist <laughs> <laughs> Jeff has become a little more political lately, and I liked him better when he wasn't, but he's still a scream. How about you? 
who was the guy that did the, the movie trailer man he he was a comedian remember him <laughs> yes i do and uh, he was hilarious i mean he had us rolling um gosh there were so many funny people mm-hmm. yeah ron white's kind of hard to beat because he was he was starting out he was so humble and i remember he i think he'd worked in fort worth in a in a at a youth facility or something, he you know helping kids and all that, and 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 he said thanks for having me on your show. And the next thing we know, he's like he's packing Carnegie or Hall or whatever. But he was so humble and so nice. So Ron White's got to be Ron. Uh, also uh, Jeff Foxworthy, Scream, right? And Larry, Larry the Cable Guy. My goodness, he was <laughs> he was so much fun because he, he I would we could ask him to say okay, where do you want us to go with this conversation? Don't tell us what you're going to do. He go well. Bring up my grandma somewhere in there. <laughs> and so a little later, Jamal would go, hey, how's your grandma? And he would just take off on grandma in South Florida, yeah. single wide trailer thing. And, and we would just roll because, well, he's, he's a pretty fun guy. Yes, he was. <laughs> and, and, and of course, Bill Ingvall and uh, oh, man, Frank yes. Caliendo. Yeah. My goodness, we had some funny people. But we also had a, a bunch of big name celebrities. So I'm going to ask who's your favorite star outside of the comedians. For me, uh, I think it was the interview I did with Carrie Underwood at Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion. I've, I've met bigger stars, but I've never met one nicer, and I've certainly never met one more beautiful. Good grief, she was gorgeous. How about you? Ours was actually on the phone. It was Faith Hill and Tim McGraw. Mm-hmm. They were such a scream because you realize that they, they had this little side to them that, that you didn't realize, and they were hilarious and, and just you know, just having fun and they weren't stiff and all. And now, of course, now they're on 1883, yep. which is that, uh, Taylor Sheridan thing. So I look at that and I go, man, you know, they, they transitioned pretty doggone well. Yeah. Yeah. They were one of my favorites. Uh, gosh, I remember we, when we had, uh, uh, Clint Black on and he was just starting out and then, uh, some of these people that, that were just start Keith Urban and, and, uh, Dirks Bentley that we would just, they were just starting out and they were so thrilled that someone would interview them. And I remember Keith Urban said he was Cynthia Woods one time and they had a booth set up for him and nobody came by because oh. they didn't know who he was, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. And the next thing you know, he's just one of the best guitar players he ever roamed, uh, Australia or wherever else he, he lived. And, um, yeah, they're just, we, you think back over all the great people and, um, talent that was just starting out, whether it was Shania Twain, who was just, starting out or uh garth brooks i remember somebody called one morning and said thanks for bringing that guy last night up it was on 1960 somewhere that garth brooks had played i said oh you mean that garth brooks he goes he's gonna be a star <laughs> and i went i think so and, <laughs> and garth made so much money he said my great-grandchildren can't spend it all and we we're on the ground floor for a lot of cool things and lastly uh what was one of your favorite moments on the radio I've been thinking about this for about 10 minutes now. You know, you know what it was uh. the day they walked down the hall and you and I in the ratings had kicked everybody's ass. <laughs> that was a great day. Woo. Brother, we have run short on time. And if these truly are the last few moments I ever appear on the radio, there's not one doubt in my mind that I wanted to spend them with you. I love you, man. And you will always be my favorite. And you as well, partner. It's just been a great run, and who knows? Who knows? We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Send us your burning questions and favorite recipes in a private message on our Facebook page, The Outdoor Cooking Show, or visit our website, theoutdoorcookingshow.com. Join us next week for more tasty food and fun over a red-hot grill on the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Cooking something up for me